When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kick out the jams, motherfuckers. This is Wayne Kramer from the MC5, and you're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed, folks. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by Pantheon. Always glad to be here as part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. So, you know, one of the things I always have a trouble with uh, doing uh, in terms of these episodes is coming up with a short, snappy title that uh, encompasses the concept, because sometimes the concept is not that easy to figure out. It's a it's a case of naming and framing and figuring out. And, and while I'm doing this, I am essentially, um, you know, honing that concept uh, into something that that feels like an episode and feels like something new to offer you guys because I know you are very smart music fans and it's uh, it's not always easy to find something uh, something interesting or a new concept. So this actually felt a little bit like a new concept even to me as I was coming up uh, with this. So give you the title first. We're calling this Twice Bad Timing, Angel, Moxie, Rex, Stars, and Tees. Now, why am I calling it this? Let's look at this in a macro form, first of all, and then, of course, we will get into um, each of these bands' individual stories. So, basically, 1975 to 1979, um, there there are all these big heavy metal bands out there, your likes of Ted Nugent and Aerosmith and Kiss and Blue Oyster Cult. Um, Black Sabbath is a little on the way, and Deep Purple's about to break up, blah, blah, blah. But there is this uh, situation where this hard rock stuff seems to be doing pretty good. Then we get to 78, 79, and, you know, I've written a whole book on this called Ye Old Metal 70, 1979. And by the way, uh, everything, every band I'm going to talk about here, those five that I mentioned, I have written about somewhat in print form. So I have this Ye Old Metal series. There were six books. I think four of them are still in print. Ye Old Metal, um, the, the ones that apply here are the 73 to 75, the 76, the 77, the 78, which is out of print, and I still have the 79. Also... If you go to Zunior.com, I've written up the stories of most of these bands and most of their catalogs uh, by album, uh, at, available as ebooks for 99 cents. So, all this stuff, I've interviewed all these guys and considered this question pretty pretty deeply. So, okay, so, and, and also 1979, we have a, um, a, a YouTube situation with Banger Films, Overkill Rewind. I've recently put up a... Um, 
an Overkill Rewind in 1979, because it's a very strange year and a very strange period. And what you're going to hear in a minute about each of these bands is how they reacted to this period. But essentially, the idea goes that 78, 79, heavy metal is falling completely out of vogue. I mean, it's crazy because no one, you know, no one can see around the corner and realize there's going to be a new wave of British heavy metal and then a massive, massive hair metal thing. And metal is going to do amazing from about 1980 all the way to about uh, 1991, 1992. And then hard rock will stay in various forms uh, forever uh, on Amen after that. Um, But there was this period uh, which was marked by punk in the UK, uh, punk a little bit in the States, but also what we call new wave in the States, um, pomp rock, uh, AOR, foreigner journey, etc., where being heavy metal was not not particularly a good idea. The anomaly in there is Van Halen. They have weird timing their whole lives, but they, they... they don't even kickstart something in 1978, but they have a massive success with a heavy album in 1978. Uh, and then things change, you know, as we go on, we have other episodes on this, what happens, uh, you know, with the new wave of British heavy metal, uh, with uh, with the situation on the Sunset Strip in L.A. Um, but this is a little bit different. I called this twice bad timing because I wanted to talk about these bands that are near and dear to my heart and put them in some sort of a context, and you're going to realize that there are some uh, big similarities between these bands. So let's just use that as our basis, and let's uh, let's move into it. So uh, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Here is song number one. Let's take a listen to this, and we shall discuss. This is Angel with Pressure Point. <laughs> All right, so our first band, why am I calling this twice bad timing? So I don't want to call it three times bad timing. I thought about this because it always feels that it's bad timing to be a heavy metal band. Um, you know, obviously this changes in the 80s, but in the 70s, you know, it, it always just seemed to be a struggle no matter what year it was. So Angel comes along. They're from Washington, D.C. They eventually um, they eventually move out to, uh, to L.A. Um, but... They, they put out a magnificent album in a self-titled album, uh, Angel 1975, and then they do this record that Pressure Point is from, Hell of a Band, in 1976. And, you know, forget about Legs Diamond. You know, that was another band I kind of wanted to try squeezing here with a shoehorn. Forget about Legs Diamond being the American Deep Purple. Angel is truly the American Deep Purple. I mean, you get these honking, great keyboard sounds and synths, even a Rick Wakeman-ness. Out of uh, out of Greg Jafria, um, you you get just this cool heaviness and surging drum and rhythm section. Everything sounds amazing on these these two records in particular. They're my favorite Angel albums. Um, so Angel and Hell of a Band. And what you just heard there was a great great heavy metal song. So this is 1976. You know. Like I say, it's not really bad timing because Aerosmith has rocks in 1976 and Kiss has Destroyer and Blue Oyster Cult's got Agents of Fortune. Ted Nugent is doing awesome with, uh, you know, his his free-for-all, Ted Nugent into free-for-all into Cat Scratch 
fever period. So it seems like a good time to be a band like Angel, right? Well, they don't sell so well. Um, they they can't get over. Uh, people like this idea. You know, they're on Casablanca. They're the they're the white uh, antithesis to Kiss, which is black. So you've got your uh, your Oakland Raiders and your whatever uh, football team you want to consider uh, all dressed in white football team. Um, but anyways. So Angel is around. They're they're sort of um, you know put up against Kiss as like the good guys versus bad guys thing, but it doesn't really go over, and they don't really do so well. So where is their first bad timing? So I I guess you could say their first bad timing uh, is this idea of going pop, um, and you know I mean the answer is going to be the same for all these bands as as you'll hear. But basically, what I don't like about what happened to Angel is so on the third album on Earth as it is in Heaven. They go kind of like they've got still got f- about four super heavy songs. The rest is kind of poppy. Uh, White Hot and Sinful uh, are both poppy. We never liked them as kids, so we're into 78, 79. And that was it for Angel. So what is their second sense of bad timing? Uh, again, these are all going to be the same for all these bands. But their second uh, point of bad timing is the fact that they break up. They don't know what's going on around the corner. This is a big deal because... These super heavy bands, we got the new wave of British heavy metal coming up. These bands from America um, were beloved by the by the Sounds and Kerrang set. All those great in, influential writers that wrote about this stuff love this stuff. It's a little cases the grass is greener on the other side, but they love the American sound. They love the melody. They just loved, there was something exotic about these American bands that they felt they didn't have in their homegrown British bands. So essentially what you have here is you've got a band that um, that are legendary, and then just as metal is going to get big, they break up. So they're gone. So those are your two points of bad timing for Angel. And again, all these bands are going to be so similar. So Angel, it's, uh, it is, what is it? Uh, five albums. Five albums and a double live album. First two, absolute, very close to 10 out of 10s for me. Absolute masterpieces. And then the next one, big, big disappointment. And then the next two, I don't even know them very well. I don't like them so much. Um, the other cool thing about Angel, check it out, you know, um, go, go on, uh, you know, go on Google images and look at this. I don't know how you're going to do this, uh, what I'm going about to tell you, but, uh, their logo, their angel logo is so cool because you flip it upside down and it reads, uh, exactly the same upside down. Check it out. It's really cool. Okay, so moving on in our twice bad timing, Angel Moxie Rex Stars and Tees on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, we have Moxie. Uh, this is Sweet Reputation Symphony for Margaret. Take a listen. All right, so another kick-ass heavy song. Moxie are a uh, a Canadian band from Toronto. Exact same situation, really, as Angel. Uh, you know, you you got the kind of like a dated sounding name, Moxie. Oh, big big deal, right? Um, they're a Canadian band. They they do have some U.S. distribution, but they're essentially signed uh, in Canada. That's kind of their major label signing. So this is their third album now. 
Their first album is also considered an absolute drop dead classic, at least by you know us us old you know metal metal uh, loving guys, love you know lovers of the old seventies stuff. So the first one's just called Moxie. It's the black and white cover. Very very heavy album for nineteen seventy five. Um, uh, basically, start to finish, pr- pretty pretty darn heavy. I mean, we're we're talking sort of a, a cross between uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, and Led Zeppelin uh, with a very good commerciality to them. They should have been bigger. Absolutely, they should have been bigger. And they're one of these bands that famously goes to San Antonio and Texas and tours and all that stuff. And and Texas knows them. Uh, Texas loves their Canadian bands, especially these guys, um, along with Triumph, Rush. Uh, I remember Saxon had a big breakthrough in Texas. Budgie, they loved uh, they loved Budgie in Texas. Um, and this was all because of uh, you know a radio station down there with very good taste that uh, that was pushing all these bands but Moxie was one of them so their second album a little bit different than Angel their second album they kind of went a little weak a little light it's called Moxie 2 Red Cover this one is their third album uh, Riding High absolute start to finish just cool blazing hard rock and heavy album just a just a classic and really the kind of classic from a band where again they should have been massive they could have been massive they had this great raspy lead singer in buzz shearman um but what happens uh so after this their first bit of bad timing they go poppy um under the lights uh comes out 1978 buzz shearman has left the band uh they've got a guy by name of mike renowski or mike Riznowski in turns out he's mike reno uh future of Loverboy, massive massive canadian band from vancouver but it's a very light weak album why do I call this bad timing exactly? So uh, I guess I didn't really articulate this. So bad timing for me uh, in terms of this going poppy doesn't mean that it's bad for us metalheads that they went poppy, but they went poppy um, when going new wave or going punk might have helped or going more a little more pomp rock. I don't know. It's a little hard to, hard to explain, but basically the going poppy thing Never really worked for them. Now, who else was doing this? Probably the biggest band that felt like they were in this going poppy thing would be Kiss with Dynasty. Um, Blue Oyster Cult kind of got um, accused of it with Mears, but Mears, you know, a mathematically on a, on a straight musical headbanging heavy metal level is not that much mellower than was Spectres or Agents of Fortune. I mean, the early albums, I suppose, were heavier for their time. Um, but, you know, it is a, a, a plusher production. We're talking about Mears here. Uh, it is a little happier. But Kiss is the big band that did this. Aerosmith didn't really go poppy. Ted Nugent didn't really go poppy. But these smaller bands, I suppose, maybe maybe they're, they're smaller, they're younger, they're easier to push around, um, they're less set in their ways. So maybe they kind of like easily, when, when the label said, you know what, you're going to lose your deal if you don't do something here because this is not working for you, we're not selling any records, they all go, okay, Let's uh, let's try something else. This this heavy metal stuff isn't working for us. So, so there's Moxie. Um, you know, basically three albums that were pretty heavy, especially the first one and the third one. Uh, then they do this. Then what is their second uh, point of bad timing? Again, same thing. They break up. They they just go away. And again. This is a band a little bit like Riot. Riot's a little bit of a funny story, but um, this is a band uh, that uh, could have been legends in the UK. Had they not broken up, had they kept Buzz Shearman and just went to the UK and lived there, uh, 
you know, toured the UK, toured Europe, they probably could have been a pretty big band. Or had they stuck around, uh, you know, muddled through these years and got into the hairband years, they might have done well. Now, you know, I always say that, but you know, the new wave of British heavy metal is one thing because it's time adjacent. But if you go up into the hair metal years, a lot of these bands, kids were kind of like on the ball enough to realize that these were a bunch of throwbacks to the 70s. And some of these bands might not have done well. Um, so you never know. But again, their second point of bad timing, they broke up, they went away just as metal was uh, was getting big. Okay, let's take a short break uh, and we will be right back. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rocking. All right. Back again on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We are calling this episode Twice Bad Timing, Angel Moxie, Rex, Stars, and Tees. Um, let's take a little listen to some music of our third band, uh, and then we shall discuss. This is Rex with 7 Come 11. Give me a chance, give me a chance, give me one, give me a chance, give me a chance, one more time. All right, so fond memories of this band. Um, well, let me tell you this first of all. Fond memories first uh, or second of actually interviewing these guys and again, writing them up for my Yeo Metal 1976 book. You can get these as separate e-books uh, over at Zunior.com. I think I might have combined the first and the second Rex album and it's $1.99 instead of $0.99. Cents. This is all Canadian funds, by the way. So it's three quarters of what, a, what, a, what it would cost you in the States. Um, but yeah, all of these albums, all these bands I'm talking about, you can get as these uh, cheap e-books from Zunior.com if you want. So my first fond memory of Rex is uh, my first major, major concert was, I'm, I'm from Trail, BC, so I went down to Spokane, Washington. Most of you have heard this story before, but went down to Spokane, Washington, and it was uh, Rex, 
first band, Bebop Deluxe, second band, and we were there to see Ted Nugent uh, on their free-for-all tour, 1976. So Rex, you know, Rex Smith is up there. He's doing backflips on stage, heavy band. I remember the day before or earlier in the day going and seeing like a full beautiful display uh, put up in one of the cool record stores, Spokane, had about five of them. Um, But of the first, you know, the red album cover with Rex on the cover, uh, you know, the other thing I love about doing this podcast is I get to feel a little bit like the proselytizing uh, radio DJ or the guy writing books, which I am also, of course, uh, who is who is turning people on to new music. And I'm, I'm constantly surprised at how many, you know, old school heavy metal fans don't know some of these bands. So I'm glad to turn you on to some of this stuff. So the cool thing about Rex, very funny story. I mean, Rex Smith goes on to be kind of like a a a pop tart you know pop star for the young girls kind of thing he does he does a few albums after Rex and he also is in Pirates of Penzance and I think he's a he's a soap opera star so he he gets to move on in his career and do this other stuff that has nothing to do with heavy metal nothing to do with music even um but I, I I got to interview him for that EO Metal 1976. And what a great guy and great full of stories. Uh, by the way, the brother of Michael Lee Smith from Stars, lead singer of Stars, who we're going to get to shortly. Um, but uh, so the cool thing here is that uh, so the, the first record, they're on Epic. Uh, I mean, Columbia, they're produced by Jack Douglas. They basically sound like a like a young baby band version of Aerosmith on that first record. Good, heavy album, 1976. Second album is called Where Do We Go From Here? It's a little bit lighter, but the heavier songs are a little heavier. You heard one of the heavy ones in 7 Come 11. Um, so, yeah, their, their point of bad timing, a uh, little bit different from these other bands. They only make these two heavy albums. Then they break up and Rex goes on to do that other stuff. So again, if these guys would have stuck around, you know, Rex is a great looking guy. This band, they could have possibly been a massive, massive hair band had they stuck around that long. And again, they could have done well in the new wave of British heavy metal as well. So in the wake of metal getting big in 1980, breaking up is is not a good idea. So, and and in terms of the going poppy, uh, technically it's not Rex anymore because Rex goes on to become Rex Smith. And he does. I think that first album might be called Forever. Anyways, he becomes a poppy guy, but the band breaks up. They only make these two classic, classic albums, which, again, sound like uh, like a baby version of Aerosmith or Ted Nugent. Check them out. They're both great, great albums. Okay. So, moving on in our history in five songs with Martin Popoff, we're up to number four. Let's take a listen to this first of all, and then we shall discuss. This is Stars with Violation. <laughs> Right. Killer track. Stars again. I've written up the story of all four of these, and I think you can uh, you can get them combined for me. It might be two ninety nine or something at Zunior. But I, I've even thought I would love to write a whole book on stars. Um, an angel book actually did happen. That's another band I would have kind of wanted to write a whole book on. But there's just not enough material there in these four albums. But I've written up the long story of all four of these and inter- interviewed most of the guys. So what do we have with stars? Uh, what we have with Stars is a is a New York based band um, that uh, again Michael Lee Smith 
charismatic lead singer, good-looking guy, brother of Rex Smith. Um, so they put out this great album uh, called Stars. Um, they're pushed quite big. I mean, they're on Capitol. They're um, they're managed by Bill Aukoin. The first album's black, and it's got, like, um, embossed uh, Cool Stars logo. All these bands had great logos, by the way, of course. Uh, not Rex, actually, but everybody else that we've, we're talking about here. Um so they had this cool star logo thing, and it was a good heavy album. It sounded like Kiss, basically. It sounded like a, you're the best Kiss album you could possibly imagine, actually. Uh, there's so much star quality. This is probably the one band out of these that really should have been massive, massive. Uh, just a lot of talent, a lot of good songs, catchy songs, and they were really pushed by capital. I mean, they were really given a chance. They were always in, uh, you know, Circus, certainly, uh, but also Hit Parader and Cream at the time. Um, what you just heard is the title track for their from their second album, Violation. Classic classic album great album um but they are almost the most notorious band on this list because what do they do their first point of bad timing is their uh third album attention shoppers in 1978 is one of the all-time horrific tanks in rock and roll history if you were a young metalhead and you got attention shoppers like we did you were mortified with how bad this album was uh and not only Okay, not only mellow, because the entire album is mellow except for probably two of the heaviest and best star songs of all time in X-Ray Specs and Good Ale We Seek. Amazing, amazing songs, which made you even matter because you got these two great star songs and you think these guys are are gods. They could make an incredible album. The rest of it, completely pop. The band completely disavows this album. On the back cover, they're in they're dressed in like almost like uh you know uh retirees from florida clothes instead of the black leather that they had before this cool unified look you know they were a great looking band right uh you know this album came in a in a bag um you know it felt like this is a bag you should put over your actually it didn't come in a bag the bag was the inner sleeve that's right uh you know in through the outdoor came in a in a uh in a uh, brown craft bag this one had a brown craft bag liner thing it was kind of a neat concept right but a horrible, horrible album, and the band regrets it so badly. In fact, they regretted it so badly that they came back within the same year with another album called Coliseum Rock, which was heavy, but it was kind of very thinly produced and very polite in it. And by then, it was almost like everybody was so mad at Stars for attention shoppers that um, you know they just did not accept Coliseum Rock, the fact that they were heavy again. So... Yeah, they do this go poppy thing, which just turns out to be horrendous. It doesn't work out. Nobody wants a poppy stars. And then they break up. And again, same thing. In fact, I remember, uh, you know, for years, stars would be talked about in the likes of Kerrang! and stuff when they do these historical things and Angel for that matter. Uh, and then they went on, you know, everybody kind of futzed about and, you know, there was a band called Hellcats and, and nothing, nothing did very, very well uh, after this. Basically, every single guy from the band faded into the woodwork. It was all over for them, you know, bitter acrimony, falling to pieces, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I, I want to celebrate here the, the glory that was stars, especially on those, those absolutely fantastic not super super heavy but just really really well done should have been stadium rockers uh first two albums stars and violation um so there you go there's the star story and as you can see these things are all lining up everything that's happening here is that we've got these new wave of baby bands that are participating in heavy metal uh making great 
albums right when all of our big bands are doing well, basically Kiss Alive 1975 through to about 1977. So you've got Aerosmith's massive period, Kiss's massive period, Ted Nugent, Blue Oyster Cult, uh, all the American bands, you know, throw in heart in there if you want. Um, you know, Mahogany Rush from Canada. I mean, there, there were all, uh, Derringer. Actually, let me take a little side trip to Derringer because Derringer was the other band I wanted to squeeze in here. Um, they're almost like the sixth, but I, you know, I, I wanted to leave them out for the, the reason I'm leaving them out and, and our fifth is a different band is because Rick Derringer does come from an earlier time, but just briefly, their story is exactly the same. He's Rick Derringer for a while. Then he's this band called Derringer with Vinnie Appice, Danny Johnson, and uh, oh, I'm sorry I'm forgetting your name. I, I interviewed you. You're a great guy. Uh, what is the bassist name? Anyways, the guy from... Uh, Kenny Aronson. The guy from uh, Dust. Um, so they have this kind of little, um, not super group because two of the guys are unknown, um, but basically they have this good band called Derringer, but their classic, classic album, and again, I wrote like 13,000 words on this album, Sweet Evil, 1977. Again, they're on Epic. Um, I believe it's produced by Jack Douglas, but it's it's a classic anyways, even if it's not produced by him. I think it is. Um, and then what do they do? They go poppy. Their their third album, Derringer, If I Weren't So Romantic, I'd Shoot You, which, by the way, I love. It is poppy, but I do love it. Um, they go kind of poppy, but they even have kind of a compromised lineup, so they're, they're changing. And then after that, they break up. Um, so basically, here's another band that probably could have been a big band in the early 80s or late 80s, uh, but they break up, and he just goes back to being Rick Derringer uh, again, and he does some solo albums which do nothing. But So again, same thing. 76 and 77, like all these bands, um, these two good, heavy albums, they do a live album in between two, and then they go poppy, and then they break up. You see the theme here. Okay, so moving on, number five, uh, let's take a listen. This is Tease with On The Loose. All right, so T's, another Canadian band. Um, Windsor, Ontario band. Um, I believe they moved to Montreal for a while as well. Um, I might be getting that confused with April Wine's move to Montreal, but I think they did. Anyways, they're a Windsor band, Windsor, Ontario, growing up on all that tough Detroit music. Uh, this On the Loose is from their second album called On the Loose. As you can tell, it's, uh, it's balls out crazy heavy metal. It's a great, great heavy song, and this is a great heavy album. Uh, and the first album, again, proselytizing. I love telling you people about great music. Their first album, just called Tease, on a small label in Canada, it, it literally was supposed to be their demo, um, but the label just uh, kind of like brushed them aside and put it out and said, no, this is good enough to put out. And they were absolutely right. It sounds like a very expensive album. Their first album is one of the heaviest albums in all of Canada in the 1970s. Check it out. It's just called Tease Tease. It looks not heavy at all. It looks kind of, it looks very glammy, actually. It looks almost like a Bay City Rollers album. Um, but it's heavier even than On the Loose. So that's 77. Actually, I think it's 76. But On the Loose is 78. They go to Japan. 
uh, they put out a live album called Tour of Japan, which is crazy heavy because it's a mix of all the best material from On the Loose and, uh, and Tease. Uh, and then what do they do? What's their first point of uh, bad timing? They go poppy. So Tease only has two more albums in them, One Night Stands and Body Shots. Both of them are kind of poppy. I've interviewed all the guys and they, they lament this whole thing too, but they got pushed around by the labels who said this heavy metal stuff isn't selling. It's stupid. It's passe. New Wave is where it's at. Get some new clothes. Cut your hair. Write us some kind of new wavy songs. And that's kind of what happened over the course of these two albums, especially on Body Shots. And then they break up. So again, same sort of thing. This is a band that could have been one of these legendary from away bands. You know, if if I'm telling you that these guys, these these great writers in the UK loved American bands, well, they loved Canadian bands even more. Uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with being from the Commonwealth or even that it's just a more exotic country or whatever. Um, but they love Tease, they love Moxie, Triumph, Rush, uh, April Wine. Um, but here you go, exact same story. Couple of super heavy albums, uh, and then and then the demise, the the poppy demise. They go down. One night stands. It's got a couple heavy songs on it. Body shots, not very heavy at all. They are gone. So that's it. So there you go. You know, um, I just wanted to mention one other uh, one other band. I I sort of wanted to think about squeezing into this thing was Legs Diamond, more so because they they feel like these other bands and they were about the same. You know, no fame level. Um, and and the same timeline. But they didn't really do the Go Poppy thing, I suppose. Uh, their first two albums are absolutely heavy classics. Uh, uh, Diamond is a Hard Rock. Uh, Legs Diamond and a Diamond is a Hard Rock. So 70, I think they're both 77 actually, early 77, late 77. Their 79 album is called Firepower. It's a little poppier, but it also has some heavy songs on it, but it, it doesn't really go pop. But then they break up, or, or at least they kind of go underground. They sort of try to resurface during the hairband years, but it doesn't work out for them. So they're kind of the same thing. And amusingly, I mean, I might want to do a whole episode on this band, but another crazy situation is Ram Jam. I, I don't want to go too into them because I've talk so fast and so long i'm about to pass out at this point um but ram jam are the exact opposite they do they do their sort of like uh like um fog hat album first and then they do a crazy heavy album in in ram and um uh, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Ram, which is one of the heaviest albums out of all the United States in the 70s. You got to check that one out. Um, so they, they don't fit our little story so much. But as you notice, all five of these bands did essentially the same thing. They all started heavy. They all went poppy. It didn't work. They broke up. Okay, there you go. Uh, we will conclude this episode there. Um, give me your comments. Uh, we've got a whole Facebook page for History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. You can email me at martinp at inforamp.net. You can check out all my books at martinpopoff.com. The latest ones are the, the Rainbow one and the couple of Iron Maiden ones. Uh, a couple of Judas Priest ones still available as well. Those are all within the last year or so. Um, and that's it. Um, hope you like this episode. Um, you know, comment. Uh, please, please join up our Facebook page, uh, Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, you can email me at my re- or Facebook me at my regular page as well, or email at Martin P at inforamp.net. Go listen to some of these uh, unsung cool '70s bands and uh, and dream about what could have been. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts.
All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.